What's going on? Welcome into the Thursday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson. Hope everyone is gearing up for the long holiday weekend. Hope everyone is staying safe as we bring you another podcast to wrap up the week as basketball is back as Pelicans players, coaches, and staff have re-entered the training facility, not all at once, uh, with some of the guidelines for players involving social distancing, wearing masks. But as you've seen over the past couple of days, Pelicans players and staff have talked to the media um, getting ready for the restart come on July 30th as it'll open up against Utah Jazz. Joining me today is Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com as we're going to kind of go over some of the best sound that we heard in the last few days, including today where Zion Williamson and Josh Hart spoke to the media. So we'll play you some of that later on in the show. But Jim, it's just nice to actually have some basketball to talk about. You know, our last game was supposed to be on March 11th that game got canceled with Sacramento so you go back all the way to March 8th that was the last time these players stepped foot on a basketball court and finally four months later almost we're we're getting closer to seeing basketball again yeah um part of me wants to quote our two tv broadcasters I don't have a deep enough voice to do a good Joel impression but he always says he always sees says man we need this yeah and I feel like that's definitely the case that everyone really is excited for basketball and the other broadcaster that I'm not going to do an impression of, but likes to yell, let's go was Antonio Daniels. So it's kind of the same thing. I think those two guys reflect the way a lot of people feel right now where there's an excitement level and we can't wait to get back to uh, playing some basketball. Yeah, if you missed it, we had a Monday conversation on the schedule release and that's where Antonio Daniels decided to unleash that let's go. So if you missed that podcast, be sure to log on to pelicans.com, the mobile app, or you can download the show on all Apple podcasts. We went over the schedule. We're not going to really do that much today. We're kind of going to go over um, some of the media availability from the last two days or last three days, including today. If you've missed any of those, you can log on to pelicans.com as well, but we're going to kind of give you the cliff notes version of what was going on. And we'll start with Tuesday with David Griffin. Before I get Jim's thoughts on this, look, the biggest thing right now is getting this restart into place. All the logistics going on in Disney world between the hotels, the bubble, who's going to play when it's going to play. And David Griffin talks about the challenges of trying to put this NBA restart together. Well, I think the league really was was the group that was challenged more than more than we were to a, to a huge degree. We were um, reacting to everything that we were hearing from from uh, the media in terms of how this was going to happen. You know, Alvin Gentry's on several committees, as am I, and the league has been good about trying to get our input throughout this process, but. Ultimately, the amount of work that's been done on the league level to bring this to fruition is is mind-numbing, and I'm, I'm grateful they've been willing to do it. Um, Adam Silver and his staff, just remarkable in terms of both work rate and uh, decision-making. So, again, we're, we're grateful we're part of a league that's led by that group of people, and we trust in what they're doing. So, Jim, we've been texting back and forth throughout this entire month, you know, with all the things that were leaking about what's going to happen if it's going to happen you know some of the players thinking about backing backing out of this but you know looking at safety protocols and looking at everything the NBA is doing you know it's quite surprising how they were able to get it together but it seems like this plan uh could work here we'll see how it goes late July yeah I mean it's a huge undertaking obviously and I think I know we're going to get to Drew Holiday what he said yesterday but one of the things that he stood out that stood out from what he talked about was that it's a huge sacrifice and it's a huge um, operation, but he said he thinks it's worth it. And I think there's a lot of reasons why that's the case, but I mean, there's absolutely no doubt. I, I think 
we're probably not even, we probably don't even have a, a sliver of an idea of what all went into making this come together and all the different aspects of it and all the different cooperation that needed to take place for it to, to, to occur. So um, if, if it's able to come together and they're able to get through the whole thing, I think it will be definitely a, a credit to the NBA for all of the effort and organizing that they had to do to pull this off. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the whole, obviously the whole goal is to make sure that no one gets COVID-19 while they're there. I know three players have tested positive for the Pelicans last week, but David Griffin expects all of them to be fine gearing up for the NBA restart. But also I think the main question I think David Griffin's more concerned about, and we'll hear from him in a second, is the players getting back in shape. You know, these guys have been stuck in their apartments and houses and not been able to really do a lot. Here's what David Griffin said about the challenges of getting these players ready to play basketball in just one month. Truthfully, probably not. Um, and, and I think a lot of it has to do with just the nature of the month itself. So this first week in our buildings, we're not allowed to do anything really other than one-on-none. Uh, you won't see us being allowed to do two-on-two, three-on-three, and ramp up towards five-on-five. Five. So we're going to have to simulate as much movement and activity and exploding into your shot and doing as many things as we can from a tendon and ligament strengthening standpoint. Uh, Aaron Nelson and his team are going to be very challenged by this. From a sports science standpoint, league-wide, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge. I think COVID is not what I'm concerned with. It's really more about long-term injury possibilities. And I think the whole league is dealing with the same thing. But to me, that's really where the challenge lies is how do you, while battling COVID and not bringing guys together in our building, get ready to play full speed? And so that'll be, that'll be a delicate balance. And I'm, I'm grateful that we have uh, Aaron Nelson here to lead us through that. So, Jim, the main concern is muscle pulls, getting into basketball shape. A lot of these players have been staying in cardio shape, doing a lot of exercises. Nicola Melli talked about how he purchased pelts on. I feel like a lot of other players have been able to do the same. But I think getting in basketball shape is completely different than just staying in regular shape. And you don't really have a lot of time to prepare for this restart. No, you don't. And I think it sounds like it's going to be a little while before they get to the five-on-five -five workouts. And really, I think what they're doing right now is, is an initial step as far as they have individual workouts and they have guys on a set schedule sporadically coming in. But I don't think you're going to be able to really start to make that last step until you get to play five-on-five, -five, you get to play full court. Um, I can't imagine the, the challenge it is physically to have been – sitting as long as they have. I know a lot of guys have done running and stuff like that, but to, to go this long of a stretch without playing five on five full court basketball, it'll be, I know we're not going to be there, but it would be really interesting. I think to watch the first day or two of the five on five, just to see how much of a toll that's going to take. But I mean, the good thing is, is of course the training staff is going to be monitoring everything and they're going to scale up. And I think also the way that the NBA set this up, I know initially there was a little bit of, um, question about why is it why is the lead up so long it seems like especially when you have next season you need to start up next season you don't have a, a, a very small off season that it was like can we we need to get this started quicker than this but I think now you can kind of see more of why it made sense to have this long of a of a stretch to let the players prepare for what they're going to do July 30th in Orlando and speaking of a long stretch it could be a long time where these Pelicans players coaches and staff will be in Orlando you know, they're going to leave next week to get into the bubble and quarantine and then begin their training camp between July 7th and July 9th. And look, games don't start till the 30th. 
the long, the earliest they're going to leave is around August 15th after the regular season potentially comes to an end. But if you have play in, you have playoffs, the Pelicans could be there at least until September. And I think David Griffin talks about this, about the mental uh, side of things and how it's going to be important for everyone to stay mentally strong during this tough challenge. No, I think it's critical and it's going to be really essential. And Jenna Rosen's done a really good job throughout this period during the pandemic of Zooming with players, doing individual meetings, doing team meetings, et cetera. We're going to make that a focus of what we do. It's going to be a built-in part of our practice time. Literally every day that we practice in the bubble, we will have mental preparedness. We will work through mindfulness training with Jenna literally every day because it's, it's paramount to our success there. Again, when, when I said this is going to be about who wants to be there more, it's going to be about who can keep themselves in, in the best frame of mind, quite frankly, and to stay on task, not think about the enormity of what's going on. And so we're going to invest a great deal of our time and energy in that side of things. Jim, how important is it for not only Pelicans players, but I feel like this is going to be the theme for all 22 teams is making sure their players stay mentally ready because look, we've been on long road trips before, but they've been lasting around 10 days to 11 days. And then you're going home to see your family. With this bubble, one, you really can't bring family with you until later on down the road. But two, you're going to be quarantined. You really can't leave the bubble. You're going to have to stay within the confines of your room or around the Disney campus. I think it's going to be a struggle for a lot of people to, to kind of figure out how this is going to work in Orlando. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, this, this setup is nothing that we can compare to anything else. The only thing that I think of a little bit when I start hearing about, you know, dealing with this mentally is, the experience that we've had of going to Las Vegas for summer league where we're there for 10 or 12 days. And I think not to, not to be overly dramatic here, but by the 10th or 11th day, there's definitely a lot of people that are, are like, I need to get out of Las Vegas. I'm, and granted Las Vegas is a whole different animal, but, yes, but uh, it is, it is interesting to think about the fact that people kind of get worn out and they're ready to go home after less than two weeks when we go to summer league. And now, like you said, you're talking about six, seven weeks at the minimum where you're going to be in Orlando. So, I mean, granted, this is a, this is a, there's a lot more motivation here than there is in summer league because summer league sometimes to be totally honest with you, after you've played a bunch of games, you're kind of done with it and you're ready to go home. But this is a case where the motivation is there to make the playoffs. So it's totally different, but, um, but it, it is interesting. It's, it definitely will be something to watch as far as, you know, we're not going to be there, but I, I think it'll definitely be tough I'm not sure exactly how you can cope with it mentally of knowing that you're going to be there for this long of a stretch, but um, I guess everyone's going to have to do the best they can and find whatever outlets they, they have to, you know, see family on FaceTime, you know, have phone calls, do as much as you can, but there's no doubt it's not going to be easy. You mentioned the playoffs and obviously that is the main goal for the Pelicans, but it is going to be a tougher challenge. You're, Instead of playing 18 games in three and a half back, you're playing eight games in three and a half back. And obviously the main goal would be to get the eighth seed, but that could be a little challenging with just eight regular season games. But to get that ninth seed and be within four games of the eighth seed means you qualify for the play-in where you'd have to beat the eighth seed twice in a span of two days. And of course, Drew Holiday, you know, was asked about this yesterday about the difference between regular season and playoff games and, uh, this is going to be a little different because there will be no fans, but um, Drew, I thought, laid it out perfectly with uh, his difference between getting this team in the playoffs and actually playing regular season games. Yeah, just talk about the obstacle that, that you have to get over. We had 
we had a couple of them this season. I mean, um, Zion out half the season, uh, me being hurt, um, having a 13-game losing streak, bouncing back and on a groove, right? I mean, right when the pandemic hit, it was like the perfect groove for us, and we felt like <clears throat> we kind of had that spot uh, for sure in lockdown. But um, I, I think coming back now, just having that excitement of going back is – something that's that's really big for us and a momentum that we use. Uh, it is still ultimately the goal to make the playoffs. Um, we know that it's going to be tough because you got Portland, you got SAC, uh, the Suns are kind of back there, but you got teams that are right neck and neck with us. And Memphis, who still doesn't want to let that go, um, they've had time to rest and, and they've had time to prepare. So mentally, I think it's going to be one of the biggest challenges that we've kind of faced as a team. And Jim, it's going to be a, a whole different animal for these younger Pelicans. A lot of these guys, including Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and of course the rookies that were drafted this year and some of the other guys acquired by the Pelicans haven't even snipped making the playoffs, yet alone getting in, you know, March and April where you're scoreboard watching. A lot of these guys haven't come close besides maybe their collegiate March Madness experience. But I feel like Drew laid it out perfectly that the, the playoffs are a completely different animal and it would be very encouraging to have these young guys experience these eight games and potentially even more. Yeah, and I think there's really two completely separate aspects of, of the experience. Even for the eight seeding games, even before you even get to the playoff part, which the Pelicans hope that they do. The first aspect is that obviously there's, no, there's not going to be fans there, so that's going to be totally different. But from an attention standpoint, even though there won't be physically fans in the arena in the, where they're playing, to me – this is a huge stage, even the, even these eight regular season games, just because almost every game is on national TV. The Pelicans have six of seven that are going to be nationally televised. The league overall, I think, is going to get so much attention just based on the fact that there's, you know, not that much sports going on right now. Um, so for guys like Brandon Ingram and some of the other players, I think it's such an opportunity to show, in B.I.'s case, the fact that he's a most improved player candidate, how much better he's gotten this year, um, he was an all-star, obviously, for the first time. So, I mean, I, I look at that as just a, as a great chance to, to, um, to show everybody a lot of – I'm sure there are going to be a lot of fans that maybe not so much this year didn't watch the Pelicans because, obviously, they, there was a lot more attention on the New Orleans this season. But I do think for a lot of guys it's, it's a chance to, to say, hey, this is who I am, this is the kind of player I am in front of what I think is going to be just a massive audience. Well, speaking of fans, you know, this is not the first time that Nicole Amelli is going to be experiencing playing some basketball without fans. I thought this was one of the better quotes um, from yesterday's media availability. Here is Melly on being asked about the biggest adjustment of playing these games without fans. Well, it happened to me already a couple of times in Europe because, uh, you know, fans in Europe are a little bit more crazy than, than in the States. And uh, so um, it will be strange. It's going to be weird. And uh, I think it's going to be even weirder in, uh, in the playoff because everybody, you know, loves the playoff for the atmosphere in the gym. And we're not going to have that. Well, we, I don't know if we're not going to have that, but for sure, you know, 16 teams in the NBA are not going to have that. And, uh, and it's going to be weird, but it's what it is. We're dealing with something bigger than everybody. And right now is if we want to play, this is the only – only possibility, only solution. So it's not it's not what it's not what we dream about. It's not what sports is about. Emotions is about fans. It's about you know relationship. It's about you know being there and sharing moments. 
bad or good. So we're not going to have that. But at least we're going to have some basketball. And that's, I think, it's not a bad thing. Jim, I know we haven't experienced this, but the fact that he elaborated on this afterwards, that there were times where there would be fans in the first half, and then because they were behaving so badly that they were kicked out for the second half, and then there would be a game play without fans. Can you imagine that inside the Smoothie King Center or anywhere that we go, that there were eighteen to 19,000 screaming fans, and then all of a sudden when the players come out of the tunnel in the second half, there was no one there because of bad behavior? I, I feel like that's just a, a crazy thing to wrap your head around. It's hard for me to uh, – to picture a group of fans being that unruly that they get thrown out of the stadium, but also being cooperative enough to listen to the order of, of the, them saying, you got to go. That, that almost seems like a contradiction that I feel like if you tried to do that in the NBA, there'd be thousands of fans that would be like, I'm not leaving because these idiots over here threw stuff on the court or whatever. Right. But I think it would be, a, it seems like it, it's, it would be a huge problem, but some of the stories that some of the players that play have played in Europe tell are just, incredible as far as like you're playing on the road and you get coins thrown at you by visiting fans as you or home fans as you walk onto the court I've heard stories about in maybe in a corner of the arena someone started setting a fire a small fire um it's it sounds like some of the stuff is incredible so but yeah it was he's Nico is so funny and it was it was really funny just to hear some of the the stories that he was telling yesterday I'm sure you remember this this is you know, not as big as what happens in Europe. But I remember uh, former head coach Monty Williams, I think, got a peanut thrown at his head during one of the games. Do you remember that, where he was on the sideline and he said he wished it was money that was thrown at him so he could put it in his pocket? <laughs> I do vaguely remember that. I don't remember what even what arena that was in. But, yeah, right. that was kind of a wild, uh, wild incident that unfortunately happens from time to time in the U.S. It seems like from what I've been reading that players might be allowed to go watch other games as part of a way to kind of get out of the bubble. Can you imagine that if you are, say, the Memphis Grizzlies going to these Pelicans games and maybe standing behind the basket and waving your arms in the air like for a free throw? Can you imagine if players are allowed in there, the, the trash talking that would go on if other teams are able to watch these games? I want to see some players um, go to a game with, like, you know those giant, those giant thumb fan, yeah. number one fan things? So if they need a certain team to lose, they can put on the, the 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 thumb of the other team and jump up and down and scream. But no, it's it's going to be really that part of it's going to be really interesting. And I think that kind of ties in also with a lot of people are really interested to see how the audio aspect of this whole thing is going to go in terms of how much are we going to be able to hear on the court from players talking to each other, players talking to refs and coaches. So if you add in that you have a group of players sitting on the sideline in the stands that can yell stuff out, I think that would add even more to the entertainment value of some of these games. All right, now let's move on to Zion Williamson. He and Josh Hart spoke to the media today. If you want to watch those or listen to those, again, you can log on to pelicans.com or the mobile app. But, uh, Jim, uh, it seems to be a theme with Zion Williamson about the shape that he's in. It seems like everyone is fascinated with, uh, you know, how he's looking, and everyone was dying to know after workouts yesterday how he was looking. Of course, the video came out from Pelicans Twitter. Um, and he was asked about how great a shape he is in. Yeah, he looked, he looked really good. I mean, in my opinion, I thought he looks like he's in really good shape. I mean, to step back for a second, trying to put yourself in his, in his shoes, I'll be honest with you, I would get a little bit annoyed if I was him. Yeah. Just, I, I understand why there's a focus on that, but at a certain point, you got to just be like, this is getting a little old. I don't know how long it's going to take before people stop harping on that, but just my two cents. If, if, if you're him, you got to get to, 
he's so nice too. He's such a nice guy as we all know, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he's kind of like, okay, I, well, he, I don't think I want to be asked about this anymore. Yeah. So. Well, he was very nice in his answer. Here's what he had to say about how great of shape he is in after the lockdown. At first, uh, I'm going to say it was very tough because, you know, you, even now you still don't know what's fully going on, uh, you know, with that situation. But, uh, you know, me and my stepdad just found different ways to stay in condition, like on court, off court, just wherever we can find it. And you feel like you're in good shape right now? Oh, yes, sir. I do feel like I'm in good shape right now. Yeah, Jim, if you asked me how great a shape I am, I would just say dad bod and just leave it at that. <laughs> and that'd probably be the answer for the rest of my life. So it's pretty easy if anyone's curious about the shape that we're in. I can't speak for you since we are on a, a podcast right now, but how great a shape are you in, Jim? Let's just get that out of the way. Oh, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, <laughs> it's easy to say that on a podcast where you can't see me. But no, I've been trying to run every other day, so at least I've been doing that. But I mean, um, it's tough. I can. I think there's a lot of people that probably have dad bods right now. So you, you probably have a, a lot of good company. And I have. I probably have a. I definitely have a dad bod too, but I'm just not a dad. So that's the only difference between you and I. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> the other question that actually you uh, you asked was uh, was pretty interesting. That Zion Williamson's birthday is next week, and what's scary about all this is the fact that he'll no longer be a teenager. When I say it's scary to think about that is because of what he's been able to accomplish before he's turned the age of 20. And even just this year, Jim, just, you know, of course all eyes were on him, even after the injury uh, with him missing half the season and how explosive he was when he was able to play for the Pelicans. He's on the cover now of NBA 2K21 next generation for next season. I mean, the fact that he's doing all this before the age of 20 is crazy. Before we get to your thoughts, here's what Zion had to say about finally not being a teenager after, come next week. I don't know. I, can, I don't even know how to answer that because, you know, uh, birth, my birthday, I don't see it as a special day, to be honest. It's just kind of like another day for me. Um, but, you know, just thank God that I'm, you know, hopefully going to make it to 20, you know, the, for all the blessings I'm able to getting all that stuff um but it's weird uh let me 20 i'm no longer going to be a teen but uh it's in a weird way i haven't felt like a teenager in a long time so i feel like it's not going to be anything different so jim it's safe to say that i was not as accomplished as he was you know at the age of 19 yet alone make the same amount of money as him but it, you, you mentioned how nice of a guy he is in the maturity of zion williamson um, he doesn't act like a 19-year-old because he, of his maturity and the fact that he has all this athletic ability, the fact that he's been able to do so many things um, within the community already, it is just astonishing to, to think that, you know, he's about to turn 20 next week. It really is. I think you, it's so easy to lose sight of the fact that he's only 19 sometimes. And I think actually what you just said kind of really puts it in perspective. If you think about what the average person or you – or myself were doing when we were 19. I think I wasn't even sure what I was going to major in. I was a sophomore in college, hadn't quite declared yet what I was going to do. Um, so compare that to somebody that's had to confront everything that he, the situations that he's put in. I mean, it's all, it's all good. Obviously he's, he's in an amazing situation and he's had quite a, quite a first 19 years of his life, but it is incredible to think about um, some of the, the pressure that has been on him and the situations that he's been put in. He's very mature, as you said, and, and just very likable. 
Um, but he's also, I think, probably had to speed up. He, it sounds like he's always been mature. Obviously, we don't know him from more than just this past year. It sounds like he's always been like that. But I'm sure in the last two or three years, he's been forced to kind of speed up some of the uh, – I'm not sure if maturity is the right word, but just all the different things that have been thrown at him, just all the, all the things that he has to handle. And it, it's, it's so impressive the way that he's able to, to just take on all these different challenges and all of these different um, things that come at him as a guy that's on the cover of magazines at only 19 years old. And there will be a lot of challenges moving forward with this bubble. As Josh Hart mentioned, Jim, you know, he says 90% of this is going to be mental. 10% of it's going to be physical with some of the young guys. I know Zion seems more of a guy that may be okay with being secluded just based on his popularity, things like that. He's already used to the fact that maybe he's staying more inside just based on how many people he would have to interact with when going outside. But I feel like that's going to be the biggest thing with him and some of his teammates. And Josh Hart's taking up golf. He says he's not playing golf right now. He's he's more just participating. Um, but guys are going to have to figure out ways to, to chew up some time down there with, with not a lot of ways to interact with other people. Yeah. And I mean, I think for a lot of guys, it's going to, it'll be interesting to see what kind of hobbies they have that some of these, some of the things that you can do by yourself. Like I think Drew Holiday, for example, has, um, either started to learn how to play guitar or he has been playing for a while. Seems like there'll be stuff like that that'll keep you occupied and will help you mentally. But yeah, I was, I was laughing at some of the stuff that Josh was saying today because he said, I think the term he used was, I haven't been playing golf. I've been swinging golf. Yeah. So he's been just taking some hacks out there. So that, I think that's pretty much what I'd be doing too. Cause I haven't played in forever. Have just you taken up hacks. any, have you taken up any hobbies during this hiatus? No, I, I, Man, you know what? If I had known that I should have known, if I had known that this was going to go on as long as I, as it has, maybe I would have at the, in March said, okay, here's some bucket list things or here's some things I need to figure out how to do, but I really haven't. How about you? I've taken up eating. I feel like that's been a big hobby of mine. Just eating a lot more <laughs> than I usually do. I've been painting a little bit, not painting as far as Picasso painting, but just painting things around the house. So I feel like uh, I'm a guy that is not really good at the home improvement department. And so even just picking up a paintbrush and doing that and, and learning how to do the simple things around the house, I feel like that's been my, you know, my uh, focus during these, these four months. And I'm still not very good at it, but at least I'm trying here. And by the time I do get good at it, it'll be time to get back to work. I'm, I'm with you on the eating thing. I, I feel like um, we're so busy during the season that um, you can't always appreciate the amazing places there are to eat around here. So I've definitely been partaking in that. And through the advice of my food mentor, Joel Myers, he, he gives me places to go that cover a good three or four days of meals just by visiting there once because of all the portions they give you. So, so that's, that's definitely a hobby that you and I have, uh, have ramped up during this period. As someone that's experienced one of those visits with Joel last week, uh, it's definitely something that has uh, pushed up my weight a little bit. So I might have to pull back a little bit, but that's something that Joel always does love to do. Well, Jim, I know you got a lot of work to do. I really appreciate it. Be sure to look out for Jim's work, recapping everything that's been going on during these last few days of media availability. Of course, if you want to watch Zion and Josh Hart's media day availability, log on to pelicans.com in the mobile app. We're going to have plenty of podcasts for you next week. Not going to tell you exactly who they are, but you don't want to miss next week and continuing coverage from pelicans.com, the mobile app, leading up to the restart come July 30th. Hope everyone has a safe, and happy holiday weekend. 
please wear your mask, practice social distancing. The quicker that we all come together and wear a mask, the quicker that we can enjoy sports together once again. Until next week, for Jim Eikenhofer, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seaton.